You need to put the paperwork in place so if something was to happen, you don't leave your family in chaos because that's what it is because they don't know what to do, especially if you have a business. If there's no succession plan, what's going to happen to the business? If you don't have a will, what's going to happen to the family? And if the family relied on the dollars that was coming in from the business for their survival, for their day-to-day, and there's no plan, you've left them in chaos. Welcome to Your Retirement Planning Simplified with your host, Joseph Curry, a CFP professional who is going to help you learn how to simplify your retirement planning. This podcast is all about helping you answer those burning questions you've had about your retirement possibilities and making a plan to get there. Through retirement planning education, resources, and expert interviews, Joe will help you get clear on your retirement vision, how to simplify it, and what you'll need specifically to achieve or maintain your financial freedom. Ready to live out your retirement dreams and create future opportunities for the ones you love? Then let's get started. All right, welcome to another episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. I'm your co-host, Joe Curry, and with me as always is my co-host, Lindsay Wilson. How's it going today, Lindsay? Hello, I'm good. How are you, Joe? I'm good, thanks. Good. I'm just sitting here kind of looking outside at the cold, rainy fall weather and thinking I can't believe it's already past Thanksgiving. I know. The Canadian Thanksgiving for our U.S. listeners. I know. It's come and gone so quickly. Yeah. Did you have any exciting plans over the last week or the holiday? Just family dinner and um, went to a local fair here, actually, a fall fair. Yeah, the famous Norwood Fair. That's right. We were also there with the kids. I grew up going to that place. It was nice that it was back after the pandemic break. That's right. So it's just after Thanksgiving while we're recording this, but this episode is actually going to air closer to Christmas. So uh, this is probably mid-December when you're downloading this, if you're listening right now. So because of that, we thought it would be kind of a time where you're probably seeing more family and friends and you're having conversations around maybe legacy or you know what's going to happen if something happens with mom and dad, all that kind of stuff. And so the topic today really is focused on executors, You know things you should know when picking your executor. If you are an executor, things you should know and things you could be doing now to make the process a little bit smoother. And our guest was David Eady, which is a really fun conversation. Yeah, David, he's a certified executor advisor who's worked with the financial planning industry in Montreal for more than 35 years, advised hundreds of clients, and he's written over 200 articles about personal finance. And it's interesting, and you'll hear in the podcast, He's not just an expert. He knows the topic inside out from his own personal experience with his parents' estate. And it helped him to be determined to write his book, Executor Help, How to Settle an Estate, Pick an Executor, and Avoid Family Fights. And he's also the co-host of Executor Help, the same name as his book as well. Yeah, and I really like the conversation today. This is a conversation that you know, in our office, we're having with a lot of our clients. <laughs> but even though it's something we're always talking about, I still picked up quite a few insights. And I think we'll probably use this podcast as a resource for a lot of our clients. Right. I haven't got to read the book yet, but he is sending Lindsay and I both a copy. So I'm excited to read that. And if you want to learn more about his book or his podcast, you can check out the show notes, which you can find at matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash podcast forward slash 27. With that, I think we'll get on with the show. Okay, David Eady, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a real big pleasure. Well, we're excited to have you on. As I mentioned before, when we were talking before, you know, we're always excited to have 
knowledgeable guests on the show where we can share some ideas that our listeners should be thinking about. And maybe some of them, this is not a topic necessarily on top of everybody's mind, but this is going to be airing near Christmas. So we thought the timing might be good to have you on the show. Absolutely. When you say it's not on top of mind, it's the least sexiest topic that you're probably going to ever have on the show. So no one wants to talk about, hey, you know what? Let's talk about death and our estate plan and where's our will. That's not happening. But that's the problem that we run into is that most people either avoid the subject, they procrastinate, or they take the view of being apathetic. Well, you know what? I'm dead. It's not my problem. But that's the big problem where you're thinking, well, it's not my problem. You're leaving behind the family to be disorganized and in chaos. And probably about 60% of Canadians don't even have an estate or will plan. And they're leaving their families in a pretty precarious situation. And spoiler alert, spoiler alert, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> David, I'm curious to ask, being the author of Executor Help and also the host of your podcast, Executor Help, can you tell us a bit about your story and what inspired you to pursue the avenue of helping executors? I don't know if it was an inspiration, but what happened was, in my case, for my family, it took seven years, 10 court appearances and $50,000 to settle my parents' estate, and they had a will. And when I was going through this about 10 years ago, as an advisor as well, anytime I would tell people what I was going through, I'd hear about one executor who was saying, oh my God, this has happened to me, or I know somebody, or somebody else was saying, my family's broken up because of an estate plan. So during the pandemic, sitting here in uh, Vaudreuil, Quebec, uh, the snow was coming down. I couldn't go anywhere. So I decided to write my story and also did the research in terms of how to help others because I didn't want anybody else to have to go through what I went through. Okay, that's an unfortunate situation, but hopefully your experience can help others through podcasts like this and through your book. Now, knowing that, maybe we'll get some tidbits of advice from you today that can help people. Most of our listeners are in retirement or nearing retirement, and they're really focused at this point in trying to kind of get all their finances together. I mean, those stats you mentioned about 60% of Canadians not having a will, or at least not one up to date, I would say I might even see more people without a will when they're coming into my office when I think of it as a percentage. So those are definitely in line for sure. But when people are starting to think about this and having these conversations, talking to their lawyer about getting their will in place and deciding on who their executors are going to be. What do people need to consider when choosing their executors? And what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when choosing their executors? Well, people, biggest mistake is they say, for example, they had three children and they don't want to hurt the feelings of anybody. So they'll choose all three children. Now, all three children may not be qualified to take on the task because you also have to understand when you're going to be an executor, it's going to take anywhere between 18 to 24 months to settle out of the state. In my case, it was seven years, and I know people it's gone even longer. And then you're also expect to spend about 100 hours, and it's not 100 hours on the weekends. You're probably going to have to take time off work to take care of the things to settle the estate. So you're asking a big ask of an individual, whether it be your kids or a family friend, to take on that responsibility. You know, if you've got a kid, a child who isn't very organized or isn't good at follow-through and administrative work, then that can hold up the whole process because now if you've chosen your three children, you've got three co-executors and nothing can get done so that for the process to move along, unless we have three signatures for everything going through as the executors. In my case, because we had discourse, we were three 
executors, one of the siblings who shall remain nameless, who I'm done with, but that's personal, not getting into that. But <laughs> I renounced my spot as an executor so the process could continue on. But some executors process will get held up because you don't have the right executors in place and there's going to be family fights. So you have to think long and hard, who are you going to choose to be the executor? Are they nearby? Are they in another country? Because then it's going to take a lot of time to come back and forth. Are they going to be able to put up with the family drama? Because believe me, there's going to be family drama. You don't learn about anybody until you have to share an inheritance with them. So you need to make sure that you, someone who can understand the family drama, wade through all of that nonsense, and then be able to put together, or hopefully you can help them put together before you're gone, an accountant, a lawyer, financial advisor to help with the process going forward. Because as an executor, you can't do this job alone. And there's just stuff that you're not even trained to know how to do. And you're going to need some professionals to get the process completed. Just wanted to return thinking about, you're speaking of family fights and your own acrimony with your family. Could we speak a little more in depth about scenarios when you should or shouldn't use your family members as executors? Every family's different. So you might say, I'm going to pick a child or say we had three children. You say, you know what? I know two of them could do the job or only one of them. You're going to have to have a conversation with the kids to say, I've chosen Sally because, you know, she's going to handle everything, but she's going to keep you abreast of what's going on. But you don't have the time. You don't live in the area. You're not close by. And I've chosen her. Yes, there's going to be some hurt feelings, but this is the time that you have those conversations now that you're alive to put aside all of those hurt feelings. And hopefully, if there's still any sort of bitching going along, that you can sort of quell that. The biggest problem that a lot of estates run into that there's no conversations in the family, and they let the paperwork do the talking once they're gone. So there's all these surprises and a lot of hurt feelings. But if you help them along while you're still here and say, this is what I've done, because at the end of the day, if this is your estate, you can do whatever you want with it whatever your choice is, and you say, this is what I want, and hopefully you can respect it, and this is what I would like for my wishes going forward. So it doesn't have to be your children. It could be a family friend. Again, if you're asking a family friend, you're asking them to take on that big responsibility, which a lot of people aren't. I'd say 95% of most people aren't equipped to handle. So that's why you want to help it, make it easier for them as much as possible in terms of how to be ready for when the time does come that they're know where their will is. They know about the digital assets are. They know who the accountant is. All of these things make it a lot easier because it is going to take up a lot of time. And on top of that, they've got to battle through the grief. Mm. So it's a tricky sort of maneuver that you've got to do because a lot of people will either end up not doing anything because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And then what you're doing is you're leaving the potential for your family to be left disorganized and in chaos. So let's say we maybe flip the script a little bit and say some of our listeners who've already been named an executor are sitting here listening to some of the potential pitfalls of being in that role. What are some things that they should know? And what are some things that they could do today that would make the whole process go smoother when they're called upon in the future? First, they should know where the will is. Yeah. That's a good start. (laughs) You know, that seems pretty straightforward, but a lot of times people don't know where the will are. They know their executive, but they don't know where the will are. That's why I talk about in the book that you, as the testator, person who's writing the will, and you've had this conversation with your executor, you say, you know what? All the important paperwork is going to be in a big, giant red envelope. 
So their big red envelope, it could be in the filing cabinet. Don't put it in a safety deposit box because upon death, the estate is frozen, which means I know the will's in the safety deposit box, but I can't get it because it's frozen. So you need to put it in somewhere safe, put it in a bright red envelope or a bright yellow envelope so that you make it easier on individuals. Because when there's a death, there's trauma and people can't find things when they're traumatized. They, where are they going to find it? But they say, you know what? He told me it's in a bright red envelope. In there, I'm going to find the will. It's going to find the funeral arrangements. It's probably have the names of the accountant, the lawyer, the financial advisor. The other big thing that you have to also have in there you'd want is your logins and passwords. People don't think about their digital assets, but if you think about it, 30 years ago, this is not a big deal. But today we live in an online situation. So in this online situation, everything you've ever done, written, talked about is online. We need logins and passwords for every email address. There's probably about 130 to 160 digital addresses, which means, you know, Netflix, your banking, your monthly gym account, all of those things there. You need to have your social media. Each social media company has their own protocol in terms of how to shut down an account. I have a friend of mine, his friend passed away two years ago, but he's still getting birthday reminders that this individual and messages coming from this individual, but well and fine that this person's passed away. It's just that they don't know how to turn it off at Facebook. So there's a lot of protocols and that's why you need to know the passwords. So you want to have the will, the professionals you're going to deal with. You want to have your digital assets, all the logins and passwords. How am I going to get into that, your phone, if I don't know what the code is? How am I going to get into your iPad and laptop? So all your digital assets, your logins, passwords, those should also be on a sheet in with the will inside the package. So it's going to be a pretty big package, but make it easier for your executor to find and have the conversation. Awesome. So let's say, again, someone listening today is thinking, oh, man, that's a lot to keep track of. And I don't want, say, my kids to worry about dealing with the potential fallout of handling our estate or even somebody maybe who doesn't have children. What are the options available for appointing executors outside of friends and family? Well, you can use, you know, uh, David Chilton, who wrote The uh, Wealthy Barber. Right. He's a big proponent of he doesn't want to leave his kids to be executors. So he's going to use something like at RBC or there's trust companies that have professional executor services. Now, you also have to take in consideration, yes, you've taken out the personal side to it because the bank or the trust company, they don't know you from a hole in the head. They just know that you're an account number and this is an estate that has to be settled and they're not going to get into the family drama. But you also have to understand that's going to come with a cost. So if the beneficiaries are expecting certain amount of dollars, you know, it's going to be a little less. I'm not going to say how much it could be, whatever the charges are and what needs to be done to settle the estate. But there are going to be fees to settle out of state and make it easier on the family. And if you, again, you're taking away from all the heartache and the potential family drama, you could use a professional executor. But understand there's going to be cost involved. Okay. You know, I think just given some of the stories, your story and other stories we've heard, I mean, it's probably not a bad option for a lot of people. Like you said, it's just weighing that cost benefit analysis and kind of taking the personal side out of it. Now, I think I heard you mention on another podcast, actually a friend, Ben Brandt, about having a co-executors, like a trust company and a family member. Can you speak a little bit about that? You might use that combination so that 
the person who is the co-executor with the professional will help in terms of the communication with the executors. So for example, um, where a lot of, whether using a professional executor or if it's just an individual as the executor, where a lot of executors run into problems is that if the beneficiaries don't hear what's going on with the executor, they think you're up to something, then why is this taking so long? You got to understand that when someone leaves money, a legacy to an inheritor, beneficiary, they see it as something that it's going to go to them, that they're going to help them. As a beneficiary, all I'm looking is that you owe me a check. Where's my check? I'm supposed to get some money. I'm supposed to get something. Where is it? Yeah. They don't want to hear about you got to deal with the tax department. They don't want to hear about you got to try and get the clearance certificate from CRA. They don't want to hear that nonsense. Yeah. All their interest is, where is my check? And if they don't hear from you, it's not uncommon that the beneficiaries will say, hey, there's mismanagement with the executor, and now we got to go to court. That's not uncommon either. So if as an executor, whether you're working with a professional or you're doing it on your own, you have to every week or two or something, I say in the book, send out an email or have a Zoom call and say, hey, this is how the state is progressing and this is what I'm up to. This is what I'm doing. If there's radio silence, this just opens you up for someone looking at you sideways. What are you doing over there? Hey, we need to get legal action on you because you're doing something. You're up to something. But they don't know that you're still spending that 100 hours because they don't care. Their only interest is themselves. Okay. Does it sound like fun so far to be an executor? Oh, a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> and you think about all the family drama. I mean, there's just three of us sitting right here. We could probably think of someone in our families who's, excuse my language, who's a pain in the ass. That you know if there's going to be a problem. I see you lauding me. How about you, John? Everybody's nodding. We know. So if there's a family crisis or something like that, you know someone's going to be trouble. Every family starts out to be perfect. We all have the illusion, yeah, but we all have our own little blemishes and little tweaks and little problems in them. And every family is not perfect. We might think we're perfect because we all get along at Christmas and we laugh and joke in summer. But when a death comes or, you know, the head of a family, father or mother is not there anymore, they're the ones that usually guide the family. They're no longer there. And we start to see people in a different way. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a lot of good insight. I'm hoping it's going to spark some conversations for people. I'm thinking maybe just to end here, if we could maybe take a step up to that 30,000 foot view and maybe you could just kind of give your thoughts on what exactly is an estate plan and why should someone have one? Well, I'll put it this way. If you don't have an estate plan, the government has one for you. And the one the government has for you, that's not going to go well because they're not interested in your wishes. The estate plan is there for you to make sure that your wishes are adhered to when you pass away and also when you're still alive because you might need a power of attorney. You know, intensive care is no place to find out that there's no will. <laughs> and I can assure you, you can't have a meaningful conversation when somebody's on a ventilator. So you need to put the paperwork in place. So if something was to happen, is that you don't leave your family in chaos because that's what it is because they don't know what to do especially if you have a business if there's no succession plan what's going to happen to the business if you don't have a will what's going to happen to the family and if the family relied on the dollars that was coming in from the business for their survival for their day-to-day and there's no plan you've left them in chaos they're disorganized so you want to have an estate plan which is given thought to the people that you're leaving behind a legacy isn't what you leave people but it's how you leave them. And everything within a state plan 
the end goal of what you're trying to do is you're trying to leave a legacy of people, you know, they're going to remember you, but you also don't want to leave them and leave that legacy that they're having trying to clean up a mess. So with the estate plan, you want to have the conversation. I know you could do it online on your own and that's totally up to you, but spend the dollars and have conversation with a lawyer. Talk to your financial advisor when it comes to what would be the tax implications. You know, have an idea of who you would have as an accountant because you're going to need someone to look after the tax return and the final tax return so that you can get the clearance certificate from CRA. All of those things you have, again, as we said at the top of the show, not a sexy topic. Not everybody wants to talk about it, but it needs to take place because you don't want to leave your family disorganized and in chaos. <laughs> okay. I'm going to throw one more question at you. You just sparked my interest in your thoughts as you're talking there. You know, from time to time, I get clients asking about why would I pay a lawyer if I could just go do this online? I was like my will kit, I think, and some other online options that are available. So what are your thoughts on using that kind of service online? And is there a time where maybe there is a fit for that? I don't want to go either way because you know what? The numbers are already low for people not having a will or an estate plan. So if they said, well, you know, I'm just going to do it online. Fine. But then again, let's do it this. I'll think, do use this analogy. Think of doing it online as buying a coat off the rack. Okay. That's how you're going to do your will. It's going to be off the rack. They're going to ask you some questions, things you never thought about. You're going to put them in there. You're going to answer those questions. You go to a lawyer. This is more made to measure because he or she's going to ask you questions you didn't even think about. So this estate plan is going to be more made to measure to you. So things you never thought about when you went to the tailor, he's going to, you know, make some adjustments. And these are the questions that the lawyer is going to ask you. So you could have off the rack or you can have made to measure, but at least do something. Far too often families are left behind. I'll leave you with one analogy. Recently, I just came back and I was talking about families and not having conversations. And that's probably where I ended up in court for seven years because my parents never had the conversations with the three siblings. I knew it was in the will. Other sibling did. Third sibling wanted to make trouble, didn't. But my parents should have had the conversation. Having said that, recently just came back from Barbados, saw my mother's cousin. She's 93 years old, lives in a great house, lives by herself. God love her. She, you know, who knows how long she's still going to be along. She heard about the book, blah, 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 blah. She brings me out her will. She shows me the will. And I look at the executor and I know full well the executor and the beneficiary to her house. Her house is near the beach in Barbados. And I said to her, oh, it's your sister. She goes, yeah. Isn't your sister dead? He goes, yeah. So what you tell me is the beneficiary leaving to this house is dead. She goes, ooh, didn't think of that. And then I said, you have the executor. Where does she live? Oh, she lives in England. I said, oh, does she know where this paperwork is? Because she had it in the big folder. She goes, no, you have to have those conversations. So now helping her along, I said, in the next 30 days, we've got to make the changes to it because anything could happen. And that's what you have to, like in her case, she's going back to the lawyer. She did it five years ago when her sister's alive. She's going back now to make those changes. Whereas if you did it off the rack, you may not think of any of those changes should be done. So I know it was kind of a long-winded answer, but I'm not a big fan of it, but at least you're doing something and it's going to help your family. But at the end of the day, whether you do with a lawyer or if you do it online, you still have to have the conversations with your executor and also with the family members. Something was to happen to me. These are my wishes. Don't let the paperwork do the talking for you when you're gone, because that's just going to lead to more family problems. That's great. That's really good insight. Thank you. 
We've got a lot of good insights from you. I know you have a lot more to share, though. So you are the author of the Executor Help, and you have the Executor Help podcast. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that. Joe, if you're going to plug my book, let's get it right. <laughs> it's Executor Help, How to Settle an Estate, Pick an Executor, and Avoid Family Fights. People can go to my website. It's davidede.com, D-A-V-I-D-E-D-E-Y.com. And I got free resources on there. You can click and download the executor checklist. So if you're an executor, you can put that with the will, things that you need to get done. If you're not sure what kind of family you are, take the quiz so that, you know, what you need to do for your family. So sorry for the shameless plug. No, no, no. This is your time. This is your time now. I appreciate that. And we're going to get all of that into the show notes. So anybody listening will be able to find that on our website. David, just want to say thanks again for joining us today. We appreciate all your insights. Yeah, thank you, David. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Lindsay. Investment services are provided through Matthews & Associates Investments of Aligned Capital Partners Incorporated and approved trade name of Aligned Capital Partners Inc., ACPI. Only investment-related products and services are offered through ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI and covered by the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Tax planning, financial planning, and insurance services are provided through Matthews & Associates. Matthews & Associates is an independent company separate and distinct from ACPI slash Matthews & Associates Investments of ACPI. Matthews & Associates are not licensed tax professionals, and you should consult with your tax advisor before acting on any recommendations. Thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Your Retirement Planning Simplified. If you'd like to see how prepared you are for retirement, we've created a free retirement readiness calculator to help you out. Go to matthewsandassociates.ca forward slash ready to input your retirement information and receive instant feedback to help you evaluate your current retirement readiness. Be sure to tune back in for the next episode. And until then, we're here to help you simplify and succeed in your retirement planning.